Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? I have trouble getting even a little piece of thread through the eye of a needle it's supposed to go through. So a camel. I googled it, though. Google knows everything. The average weight of a camel is about 1,000 pounds. It's about seven feet high. And the ones I've seen are about, oh, four feet wide. And the eye of your typical sewing needle is measured in millimeters. So obviously a camel isn't getting through there. But I say to you, it can. But not the way some so-called scholars have tried to remake and reinterpret the words of Jesus. Maybe you've heard their argument that there was this gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle. And it was a narrow gate. And so a camel that was fully laden with goods had to be unpacked. Otherwise it wouldn't be able to fit through. You had to take off all the cargo, all the riches, all the wealth first. They say, that's what Jesus meant. No. If it was, the disciples would not have been so astonished at what Jesus said. And not just astonished, but exceedingly astonished. No, they would have nodded their heads in agreement. Oh, yes, of course. But they knew what Jesus was saying here. Just as we know what Jesus is saying here, it is impossible. Jesus even says that in his response to the disciples' question. Then who can be saved? He says, with man it is impossible. But I say to you still, it can a camel can go through the eye of a needle. It is possible. Curious? I know it's dangerous to contradict Jesus. I'm on shaky ground here. But I think I know how to do it. Of course, it's not by pulling really hard. It's not by greasing up the camel really good so that it'll get through. It's not by finding a pygmy camel and a really big needle, see? No, it's by putting that camel through one piece at a time. Hair by hair, piece by piece, skin, hooves, organs, all cut up small enough to pass through. It would take a while. It'd be pretty messy, pretty bloody, pretty gross. But I could do it. <coughs> now, there's only one problem with that. Would I have a camel left after that? 
Not really, right? Just a bunch of dead camel parts. Actually, not even that. Shredded camel. (laughs) What would wind up on the other side of the needle is nothing like what started. Because the only way that camel is getting through that needle is to die. Well, if that's easier, as Jesus said, then who can be saved, the disciples asked. Because Jesus says the same kind of thing about us. He said, strive to enter through the narrow door. And the eye of a needle qualifies. And you'll have just as much trouble as the camel. So to get you through, you'll have to die too. But that's not much good. What good is being saved if you're just a saved corpse? Then you're just like that dismembered camel. What winds up on the other side is nothing like what started. Oh, but Jesus only said this about the rich. But you are. Compared to the rest of the world, there's no out for you there. So we're back to the question. To get you through, to get you into the kingdom of God, you have to die too? Yes. Yes. But we don't want to die. Death isn't natural. Death isn't what we were designed to do. Death is because of sin. God created us to live. So we try to live. We look for life. We look for life in all kinds of things in this world. And money or wealth is one of those things. And a very popular one. Money can get me what I want. Money will improve my life. Money will buy the best doctors. Money will fund the latest medical research. Money will get the best treatments. Money can make me live longer. Money can make me happier, right? At least happier than those who don't have it, like all those panhandlers we see in the middle of the streets these days. Solomon thought so. Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which we heard from today. King Solomon, who is far more wealthy than you will ever be. Solomon had it made until he didn't. Until he realized that his wealth didn't give him, couldn't give him what he wanted. He wasn't happy. The richer he got, the more miserable he got. And the more people became fake friends just to get his money. He lost sleep. He worked hard. But for all that, he didn't have the life he wanted. He was staring death in the face and his wealth couldn't help him. He realized that as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall not take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. He realized money or wealth makes a really lousy God. He called it a grievous evil. Good choice of words. When your wealth becomes your God, that is anti-God, so it has become evil. And a grievous evil 
if it keeps you out of the kingdom of God. But just like with the rich man last week, so too for us. The wealth of this world, the things of this world are so hard to let go of. Whether that wealth is a wealth of riches of the world or the admiration of the world or popularity in the world or power in the world or the acceptance of the world, life is so much easier when you have those things, when you have the world on your side. It's so much harder when you don't. It's what we see happening in the world today when the world turns against people and what they believe. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Difficult at the time of Jesus, difficult for those early Christians who were being persecuted and martyred, difficult for you. Easier, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So that brings us back to the question again. To get you through, to enter the kingdom of God, you'll have to die too. Yes. And then your wealth can't help you. Your friends can't help you. Your power can't help you. Whatever else you have can't help you. As Solomon said, all that gets left behind. When you die, there's only one who can help you. The one who came and died with you. The one who came and died for you. That he could be the one on the other side of the needle who could bring to life again, who could raise that camel back to life, who could raise you to life again, that you enter the kingdom of God alive, that you have hope. So that's what Jesus came to do and did. He wanted that rich man to follow him to the cross and witness his death and resurrection, for that's how he would inherit eternal life. And he wants you to do the same. To find your life not in anything in this world, not to, in anything that cannot give you life, but to find your life only in him. In him who died and rose to life again. In him who promised the same for you. So for you who must die. Jesus baptized you into his death. And resurrection. To get your eye threading death. And other side of the needle resurrection over with. To give you life already here and now in the kingdom of God. That's how great baptism is. It gives you everything you need. The forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the kingdom of God, everything. Promise after promise after promise, gift after gift after great gift. But do you realize what we keep doing? In baptism, Jesus has brought us through the eye of the needle with himself, through his death, and into a new life in the kingdom of God. But you know what we keep doing? We keep reaching back through the needle for the things of this world. Thank you, Jesus. But I really need this. 
really like this. I know what you said, but can't I just have this too? And maybe it's just one part of us at first that squeezes back, but then another and another until we've squeezed all the way back through the needle to the death of this world. That doesn't make any sense. And yet, do you see yourself reaching back, grasping, coveting? So Jesus calls us to repent. Or in other words, to drop whatever it is that we've reached back through the needle for this week. Drop it here. Drop it at the altar. Drop it at the foot of the cross and confess. Why did I do that? My life's not in these things. It's here. Forgive me. Jesus pulls us back through the needle again. When he says, I forgive you all your sins. And then he reaches out and he holds his body and blood out for us and says, here, reach for this instead. Reach for what gives you life and strengthens you in this life. The food and drink of eternal life. Don't reach back. Reach forward. Take and eat. Live in this world, but don't find your life in this world. Enjoy the things of this world, but don't find your life or hope in them. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. And I'll provide all you need. He promises. And that's what he tells Peter. For Peter says, see, we've left everything, we've dropped everything, and followed you. And they did, they really did. Peter and Andrew and James and John left all their fishing business. Matthew left his tax collecting career. We're not told what the others left, but surely they did too. They left family and friends. Peter had a mother-in-law that got healed by Jesus, so we know at least he had a wife, maybe a family. Maybe the others did too. And they left. Jesus says in response, whatever you've left, I'll give you more. But it won't be easy. You'll have persecutions too, here and now. From the evil one who hates you. And from a world that disagrees with you. A world that will keep trying to pull you back through the needle to their side. To the side of death. But they're going to make you feel like, and they're going to make you try to think that I'm the one taking your life away from you. When it's really the very opposite is what they're doing. I'm giving you life. A life that will never end. Life that only comes on the other side of the needle. So don't listen to them. Don't follow them. Follow me. That's what he told the rich man. Follow me to the cross. Through the cross. To life again. So we heard in the epistle from Hebrews... Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. That is, hold fast to him, the one we confess. The one who made it through death, 
through the eye of the needle and rose to life again. Hold fast to him and don't reach back through the needle. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Tempted to stay on that side of the needle, tempted to reach back through the needle, but without sin. He didn't. He made it for you. Let us then, with confidence, In him and what he has done, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's here. The grace offered here, drawing near in repentance, dropping all that we've reached for this week, that we may receive, that we may grab hold of mercy, that is, Jesus. And find grace to help in time of need. Grabbing hold of Jesus who has grabbed hold of you and pulled you through the needle to eternal life. Impossible for you. But not only possible for Jesus, God made flesh, our great high priest, but done, accomplished for you. It is finished. So you have life on the other side of the needle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.